The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. From the Sea of Galilee to the desert wilderness of the Negev, Israel is the living embodiment of God's covenant promises. What happens in Israel shapes the destiny of the world, and its eternal capital, Jerusalem, is never far from the news. Politicians may be confounded by the very presence of this tiny nation that's been restored after 2,000 years of exile by the Jewish people, but God's prophetic timetable is unfolding before our very eyes. The Jerusalem Channel provides a spiritual understanding of what's really happening in our world today, but we can only continue with your support. Please consider helping us to go and grow with this media ministry. You can make a gift through our website, our app, or by post. Our mailing address in the USA is Box 2768, Stanton, Virginia, 24402. In the UK, it's Box 109, Hereford, HR4 9XR. Keep informed and pray for the peace of Jerusalem by partnering with the Jerusalem Channel. The Protestant churches have just celebrated 500 years of the Reformation, but can we believe God for an ongoing Reformation, particularly for the Holy Spirit to rid the churches of this scourge of replacement theology? Replacement theology is the error that claims that God has rejected the Jewish people and replaced God's covenant promises to them with the church, but nothing could be further from the truth. The heresy of replacement theology is particularly myopic in light of so many Bible prophecies being fulfilled concerning the nation of Israel right before our eyes. The God of Israel is faithful and He's a covenant-keeping God. The church must understand the times. Shalom, I'm Christine Darig. I think many will agree that the Protestant Reformation certainly didn't finish the job. Thankfully, during the Reformation, a lot of biblical ground was recovered, such as the doctrine of sola scriptura, the complete reliance on scripture, as well as the doctrine of sola fide, the belief that faith in Jesus and not any good works is the only way to obtain God's pardon for sin. However, it's a well-known fact that the most prominent leader in the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, also woefully engaged in anti-Semitism toward the end of his life that ultimately helped to seed the Nazi Holocaust. Our ministry's recent prayer tour in parts of Germany and Switzerland where the Protestant Reformation flourished, had a mission to believe God for an ongoing Reformation in the church and in Israel, and for the church to rid itself of the era of replacement theology. 
Replacement theology is also known in Christianity as supersessionism. Supersessionism or replacement theology maintains that the Christian church has somehow inherited the covenant promises to the Israelites as the definitive people of God. This new covenant has replaced or superseded the Mosaic covenant and the Hebrew scriptures, so they believe. But what does the Bible itself teach? Well, the New Testament teaches that God is not finished with the Jewish people, that in the last days when the fullness of the Gentiles has been received into the church, all of Israel will be saved and grafted back into the olive tree of God. That's the teaching of Romans 9, 10, and 11 and other scriptures. Now we're presently living in a unique period of time that's overlapping the church age with the rising again of Israel. What a time to be a watchman on the walls. The prophecy of the prophet Simeon in the Gospel of Luke is coming to pass before our eyes. Simeon was present in the temple in Jerusalem when Mary and Joseph presented the baby Jesus to the Lord as required in the Torah. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And so they offered a sacrifice in keeping with the law. Luke chapter 2 records that there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. You see, the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he wouldn't die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Holy Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts just as the parents came in with Jesus. He took the baby Jesus in his arms and praised God, prophesying that Jesus was a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. In fact, from that point onward, Simeon prophesied the whole history of Israel up to the present time in just a few words. He said, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And looking at Mary, he warned her, a sword will also pierce your own soul. So Simeon was preparing them to understand that the child Emmanuel was to be a sign, but the sign was not going to win acceptance. The destiny of Jesus was to endure the contradiction of sinners. Jesus would be a rock of offense for many of the Jews to stumble over, yet he would also be the precious corner and foundation stone. No doubt the prophet Simeon had in mind the words of Isaiah chapter 8 verses 14 to 15 which reads, And he will be a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, and a trap and snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble, they shall fall and be broken. So Simeon prophesied that the Messiah would be the stone on which many would fall and be bruised. Yet he also foresaw that they, the Jewish people, would get up and rise again. In fact, in Romans 11:11, 11, 11, 
the Apostle Paul asked, and church, please hear this. Did the Jewish people stumble as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, Paul said, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. Amen. Well, the prophet Simeon's encounter in the Holy Temple is much more precise in the original. The old prophet was aware that he was holding God's anointed, the Messiah, in his arms. So he didn't say, this child. He just said, this, not attributing any age to the holy person. And the Persic version reads, this holy one is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. But here's the great thing I discovered and that was pointed out by my friend Bob O'Dell, who's co-founder of Root Source. Rising again in this verse is the word anastasis, which means, of course, resurrection. Simeon literally said, this holy one is set for the fall and resurrection of many in Israel. And you and I are watching the resurrection of Israel in our lifetime. If only the church could fully comprehend this. Never in my lifetime have I lived through a period when so many key prophetic events related to the resurrected state of Israel are taking place. Israel is definitely on the rise. The churches must recognize this phenomenon and not be blind to the truth. You see, it's been 40 years since Egyptian President Anwar Sadat's historic visit to Jerusalem to make peace with the Jewish state. It's been 50 years since the holy city of Jerusalem was reunited. And this year, it's now been 70 years, a whole generation, since the independence of the modern resurrected state of Israel. The Jewish state has been literally resurrected out of the dry bones of the Holocaust, as was prophesied in the dry bones chapter of Ezekiel chapter 37. It's also been 100 years since the Balfour Declaration and 100 years since General Edmund Allenby liberated Jerusalem from Muslim Ottoman rule. Furthermore, it's been 120 years since the first Zionist Congress in Basel, Switzerland, which was convened by Theodor Herzl. And it's been 150 years since Sir Charles Warren discovered the ancient city of David in Jerusalem. So today, this Bible is coming alive in the city of David as archaeological discoveries are continually being made. But sadly, the church seems to be missing out on all of this. Why isn't the universal church celebrating these milestones and rejoicing in the faithfulness of the God of Israel? Many of these milestones, 40 years of peace with Egypt, 50 years of a united Jerusalem, 70 years of statehood, and 120 years since the first Zionist Congress. These milestones are considered by theologians to be the lifespan in varying degrees of a generation. And didn't Jesus tell us in Matthew 24, 34, that the generation that sees Jerusalem back in the hands of the Jewish people will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened? Well, the prophet Simeon prophesied that Israel would rise again. And I believe his words are in the process of being fulfilled 
but now there's momentum with the increasing birth pains of Messiah's second coming. There'll be no stopping now the rising again of Israel. The nation is prospering economically despite having the burden of a huge military defense budget. Medical and technological wonders keep coming out of Israel to bless the world. It's a new day and a new chapter for the Jewish people. And while Israel and the church will continue to experience breakthroughs, and I believe Israel and the real remnant church will come closer together, nevertheless, the birth pains of Messiah mean that we'll see more global shakings this year and possibly soon the fulfillments of Isaiah 17 concerning the fall of Damascus and the Ezekiel War of chapters 38 and 39. As believers, we certainly need to be strong and equipped emotionally and spiritually for the days ahead. We must understand beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is favoring the return of the Jewish people to their ancient homeland. And any church that fights God with boycott, divestment, and sanctions against Israel is fighting against the God of Israel himself. But because Israel is still a secular state and allows abortions and other anti-biblical practices, many in the churches point fingers at Israel and say that God couldn't possibly be involved. And today's younger generation is justice-oriented and they see the Palestinian Arabs as victims of injustice. Yet, short-sighted Christians who despise Zionism don't seem to comprehend that God said he would bring the Jewish people back, first of all, in their unbelief. The Word of God says it will only be when the Jewish people are reconstituted in their own land that they will repent and experience revival again. The prophetic scriptures make it clear that a time of cleansing, repentance, and revival is coming for this land in the future after the Ezekiel War and when the Holy Spirit is outpoured as described in the prophecies of Zechariah chapters 12 and 13. While we certainly can't condone all the policies of a secular Jewish state, yet we must recognize that many Bible prophecies are being fulfilled about the restoration of the Jewish people to their homeland. Watchmen on the walls must watch and pray and get behind what God is doing with the church and with Israel and make sure that we're involved in this ongoing reformation and that the churches and organizations that we're involved with understand the times and Bible prophecy. Entire denominations have engaged in the boycott, divestment, and sanction movements, which harm Israel economically. How did the churches succumb to such error? Well, it's because many pastors want to avoid the gloom and doom of eschatology, the study of the end times, in order to cater to the younger generation. I came across an excellent article by a Calvary Chapel pastor named Tom Hughes. He wrote on the church's indifference to eschatology. He wrote that many pastors refuse to touch Bible prophecy and the topic of Israel because, first of all, 
that just don't understand it. And secondly, they fear offending their church members. They're more concerned about scaring people away. And quite frankly, they fear losing tithes and offerings if they talk about end time events. They're afraid of being identified with the loony fringe who were date setters concerning the second coming. But date setters are always wrong. And I dare say that 90% of our church pulpits today are tragically silent on the good news that God is restoring Israel and that Jesus is coming again. And on top of it all, the so-called emergent church wants to yoke with Rome rather than with Jerusalem, God's city. Meanwhile, in God's economy on the Hebrew calendar, we're currently in a jubilee year spanning 2017 and 2018. And during this time, Israel made a point of staging its first Christian media summit, which was within itself a sign and a wonder because no Western government has offered a Christian media summit. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs prepared a press release about the Jubilee year, thanking Christian friends for celebrating Israel's journey so far. And indeed, the story of modern Israel is an inspiring journey of hope and resilience of the revival of the Jewish people's national sovereignty in their ancient homeland, just as this Bible predicted for the last days. And it's a growing story of friendship and support for Israel from awakened Christians across the globe. According to the Foreign Ministry's press release, Israel sees the Jubilee year as a special opportunity to express gratitude to the countries and individuals who've supported the Jewish state from its inception. One of the reasons why our ministry planned a prayer journey during this Jubilee year to Switzerland and elsewhere was to pray on location where the first Zionist Congress was convened by the visionary leader, Theodore Herzl. We also visited the Basel Hotel where Herzl stayed and where a famous balcony photograph of him was taken. The Three Kings Hotel overlooking the Rhine River we visited Basel during the season of Epiphany, and we prayed for an epiphany in the churches to understand that God indeed is with the Jewish people at this time, and he's calling them back from the four corners of the world. Well, after the Zionist Congresses began in 1897, official recognition for a Jewish state was not long in coming from the international community. On November the 2nd, 1917, the British Foreign Secretary, Lord Arthur James Balfour, wrote an official declaration acknowledging the Jewish people's national rights in the historic land of Israel. The Balfour Declaration was like Israel's birth certificate, a first step towards the return of the Jews to their biblical homeland. The Balfour Declaration was also a sign to many evangelicals that the time for the return of Jesus is drawing near. In Luke 21:24, Jesus prophesied that the Jews would be led away captive into all nations and that Jerusalem would be trampled down by the Gentiles, but not forever, only until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. 
also Jesus's parable of the fig tree, explain the revival of the Jewish nation of Israel. And we've previously produced a video on that parable that's available for viewing at any time at our website, exploits.tv. Immediately after the Balfour Declaration, in the following month in 1917, the land of Israel passed into British hands. The movement for Jewish self-determination gained full international legitimacy in 1922. Although, of course, in God's eyes, Jewish legitimacy in the land of Israel was always a reality because of their deed of covenant preserved in this Holy Bible. And nevertheless, in 1922, the League of Nations, the precursor of the United Nations, adopted the Balfour Declaration and recognized the historic connection of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Great Britain was to be responsible for the establishment of a national home for the Jewish people in the territory mandated to Britain called by the troublesome name Palestine derived from Israel's enemies, the Philistines. The name Palestine was used to minimize Jewish identification with the land of Israel. And under the Ottoman Empire, which lasted for 400 years, the term Palestine was generally used to describe the land south of Syria. It was not an official designation or an official country. After World War I, the name Palestine was applied to the ancient land of Israel that was placed under British administration. This territory included present-day Israel and present-day Jordan. Leading up to Israel's independence in 1948, it was a common practice for the international press to label Jews living in the mandated territory as Palestinians. It was not until Years after Israeli independence that the Arabs living in the West Bank and Gaza Strip started calling themselves Palestinians. Then, after Britain announced its desire to end its mandate in 1947, the UN General Assembly voted in favor of Resolution 181 calling for the former Turkish territory administered by Great Britain to be partitioned into two states a Jewish state, and an Arab state. Having been bludgeoned by the Holocaust, the beleaguered Jewish community accepted the plan, even though the territory allotted to them did not include all of their original land of Israel. Still, they had been devastated and were willing to take what was on offer. But the Arabs rejected the two-state plan. On May 14, 1948, Israel rose up like a phoenix from the ashes of the Holocaust and proclaimed its independence, declaring that the new state of Israel would grant to all of its inhabitants equality, irrespective of religion, race, or gender. However, the war launched by five Arab countries against the newborn Jewish state took a heavy toll. Jerusalem was divided Jews were expelled from the eastern part of Jerusalem and denied access to their ancestral holy sites in the old city. However, in 1967, Egypt, Syria, and Jordan forced another war upon Israel that led to an epic Israeli victory of biblical proportions in only six days. 
On the 7th of June, 1967, Jerusalem was reunited for the first time since the destruction of the Second Temple in 70 A.D. The Old City, the Temple Mount, and the Western Wall were unified under Jewish sovereignty. Once again, Israel immediately committed itself to freedom of religion and freedom of access to the holy sites for all faiths, a promise Israel has kept for 50 years. Then, in November 1977, the cycle of Arab rejection of Israel's appeals for peace was broken with a surprising and electric historic visit of President Sadat to Jerusalem. And 15 years later, Jordan signed a peace treaty with Israel. Today, the state of Israel has become an established fact. God himself has protected the tiny Jewish nation in the midst of hostility. Israel is truly a miracle of preservation. Jeremiah 31.10 is a prophecy that has surely come to pass. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and keep them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. You see, only God could have protected the beleaguered Jews after the Holocaust in such a dangerous neighborhood. All of the churches must acknowledge the greatness of God and the miracle that he wrought for the Jewish people in the face of such obstacles and hostility. And so our prayers continue for the outpouring of the spirit of grace and supplications upon Jerusalem. While Israel is on the verge of receiving that outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the greatest end time revival, it's no coincidence that the fullness of the Gentiles is taking place in the church and in the Muslim world alone more Muslims have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus in the last 25 years than in the entire history of Christian missions to the Muslims. Isn't that amazing? I rejoice. The move of the Holy Spirit throughout the Islamic world is one of the signs that Jesus is coming soon and that the times of the Gentiles are winding up. All we have to do is study God's timepiece, the rising again of Israel, and we should know that the seasons are changing and that the times of the Gentiles are concluding. World history will not continue forever. Jesus said, when the fullness of the Gentiles is complete in the church, all of Israel will be saved and the Lord will appear. While sadly apostasy is growing in the Western churches, it's a different story in Africa and Asia and in oppressive nations like Iran Churches are growing there exponentially. The Moabad Iranian Christian News Agency reported that Christianity has been growing at an exponential rate in the last couple of decades in Iran, causing the Islamic government a great deal of concern. And in China, it's estimated that there are more disciples of Jesus than members of the Communist Party. Even the most conservative estimates suggest that China will have more Christians than any country in the world. Part of the spiritual warfare that our ministry has been experiencing as a result of our own meetings in the great nation of India is that the powers of darkness are running scared of Christianity. Hinduism is greatly threatened by the light of the gospel of the Messiah. It's estimated that across the globe followers of Jesus are increasing by more than 
80,000 souls per day. Think about that. By the end of this day around the world, more than 80,000 more souls will have been saved and added to the fullness of the Gentiles. We often cry, Maranatha, Jesus come quickly. Yet every day that his return is delayed means that at least 80,000 more souls are added to the fullness of the Gentiles. Even if I'm disappointed that Jesus hasn't yet returned, nevertheless, I can rejoice that 80,000 persons were saved from eternal perdition within the last 24 hours. And what about you? Have you received the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? The Bible teaches that you will be saved if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life. With Jesus in your life, you can face tomorrow without fear and with the full confidence that you are forever part of God's family. I do hope you'll stay in touch through social media and our website, exploits.tv, where you can sign up to receive our electronic newsletter, Exploits, and watch all of our videos. The name of our program and newsletter is inspired by Daniel 11.32, which says, The people who know God will be strong, not weak, and will take action, accomplishing exploits. One final word, we've designed a new website and launched the Jerusalem Channel app so you can watch our videos on your mobile phones or tablets. So please download that app from your app store. And now until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darg, Maranatha, and Shalom. <music>